Welcome to the first episode of the Glam Observer podcast of 2019. The Glam Observer podcast is all about great stories of people shaping the fashion industry to inspire you to start your career or brand in fashion. Today we're going to talk about PR with Emily Parr, the founder of the New York niche boutique PR agency where she specializes in beauty brands founded by women. She is fact working with beauty brands such as Summer Fridays, founded by the influencer Mariana Hewitt and Lauren Gors, Drunk Elephant, Brio Gel and wellness brands too. She told us how she went from working in PR at Peter Wang to founding her PR agency. She is the proof that if you work hard and you're passionate about your job, so many opportunities will come to you. She is one of the most enthusiastic people I've ever talked to. She loves her job so much and that is a magic secret to success. She's also launching her beauty brand, so I ask her what are the best PR strategies for new beauty brands, the future of PR and why digital is more important than print publications. Before starting this new episode, I would like to introduce you in less than a minute our membership program. The Glam Observer membership is for all the girls who want to get into the fashion industry. Through exclusive career tips, networking opportunities, our WhatsApp and Facebook groups to chat with other girls in fashion, one-on-one consultations, webinars and more, you will get everything to start a successful career in fashion. Join us today and you will be able to attend our next live webinar on how to get a job in fashion. Now, let's start this new episode. Hi, Emily, and welcome to the Glam Observer podcast. I'm so excited to have you here on the show today. Thank you you for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Yeah, of course. Could you please introduce yourself? What did you study and what was your first job? So interestingly, um, so I'm the founder of Poke PR, which is a niche boutique uh, PR agency in New York City where I specialize in clean beauty brands, um, predominantly backed by female-founded companies, um, and, and I have sort of a, a wellness angle as well. So I... Um, I did not study public relations or communications. Um, To be really honest with you, I don't think this is the type of career path where you need to. Um, I went to Bates College, which which is a liberal arts school in Maine. Um, Bates College is is part is what they call one of the little Ivies. So it's like you you get this amazing education, but I think there were 1700 kids at my college total, all four grades combined, all four years combined. Um, So you get this really, really sort of um, hands-on relationship with your professors. And I actually majored in American cultural studies because honestly, I didn't really know what I wanted to do when I graduated. I went into college thinking that I wanted to go into law. So I took a lot of government classes. And then I started thinking maybe I wanted to go into finance in some respect. So I took a ton of econ economy classes. And quite frankly, both of them were so far too dry for me. 
I, at that point, was a little lost in what do I want to be when I grow up? So I ended up doing American Cultural Studies because it gave you a really, really broad liberal overview. And in my mind, I was like, you know, I'll take a little anthropology. I'll take a little bit of history. I'll take a little bit of that. And I just felt like, okay, as someone who doesn't know what they want to do when they graduate, this is an excellent way to sort of kind of just get a sampling and and just kind of get a feel for what's out there. Um, so that was sort of my background. Um, when I graduated from college, uh, a friend of mine, as, as many of us do when they're trying to get an in somewhere, you kind of pull from, who do I know? Who can help me out? And I had somewhat of a quote unquote in at a small, um, fashion, at a fashion age, um, company, uh, fashion house, Shoshana. Um, Shoshana is a, um, I would say it's a more contemporary line. She's known for her swimsuits and cover-ups and, you know, little sundresses. Um, and I was able to, they hired me in, as sort of like an assistant level that sort of helped out. It was a really small company. So there was like one person in PR, one person in sales, two people in design, um, someone who, you know, sort of like a VP of the company. So it was really, really small, which was great for me because I got to help every department. I was like this floating girl that got to help every department. And from there, I honed in on PR. I spent the most time with the PR girl, watched what she was doing. I didn't do the fun things. I did sort of the nitty gritty of like pulling the samples and, you know, that whole rigmarole. But I, as a result of that experience, I honed in on communications and I was like, this is what I want to do. Um, fortunately, there was a job listing um, at the building next door, which was Vera Wang, and they were looking for a new coordinator um, in their PR department. So it was a much larger department at Vera Wang. I think there were six PR people in the department and an outside agency that helped with Fashion Week. So I ended up getting my first job in fashion. Um, it was an interesting time because for me, it was a time when it was tough being the youngest one in the department because they were cutting back in every respect. Every department had to cut their budgets. And what that meant for me was I was the bridal PR girl. And they were like, oh, you know, bridal is what we're known for. We don't need to hire a big production company to do our bridal show. Emily can do it. Emily doesn't need an out Emily doesn't need outside help. The first real job I had within the first eight months, I started there in the summer in July. And by the following April, I had to do I had to produce a bridal fashion show by myself. No one helped no. me. No one helped me. And the way the PR department was structured was there was one girl, which was me that did bridal, one girl that did ready to wear, and one girl that did lavender label, which at the time was Vera's um, contemporary line. And, and how did you figure it out how to organize? Can I tell you what I did? I fortunately, the girl who had the job before me, she kept these crazy, these massive binders from all the fashion shows before my, the one that I had to produce, where they had huge production companies working on the fashion show. I took those binders home and for months 
I studied the binders because she didn't do the work by herself, but she had a huge production company that was hired that detailed everything, the run of show, every single thing. But she was very, the girl before me was super organized. So instead of just having everything thrown in the binder, she had organized it by section and the tabs were all very clear and broken down. I studied binders for months and I emulated those binders. I produced the first show as if I was a production company. <laughs> so yeah. it, it was honestly, I was... I was very, very, very determined to prove everyone that, oh, I see what you're doing here. You kind of know you're setting me up for failure. And I, and you, you know, you think that I'm going to come to you all for help. That's what you all think. And I never went to anyone for help. The only girl I kind of went into her, her office a couple times and like sobbed a little bit. My boss was the meanest human on the planet. Um, she was literally straight out of the movie Devil Wears Prada. Um, the girl who handled celebrity and VIPs is actually still one of my really good friends. Um, and I would go into her office sometimes and just kind of like <laughs> vent a little bit. Um, she was about 10 years older than me. Um, and everyone else in the department just kind of, they minded their own business. Oh, I'm not helping her. I'm ready to wear. Oh, I'm not helping her. I'm lavender label. Oh, I'm not helping her. That's not my, I do the Kohl's line. You know, it was like very segregated. No one wanted to help each other. Um, mm. And I think from that point on, it kind of set me up for being, I don't want to say I'm territorial, but like, it kind of set, I'm not territorial, actually. I'm very generous in help in, when it comes to helping and grooming other people. Um, but it set me up for just figuring everything out on my own, always. I've, my entire career, and I've switched industries three times. I went from fashion. So after about two, two and a half years, I, um, I realized that I was not super passionate about fashion. And when you work in the fashion industry, you have to eat, sleep, and breathe the fact that if Vogue calls in a wedding gown or anything, you basically have to act like there's open heart surgery going on. Like everyone just runs around like chickens with their heads cut off trying to make it happen for Vogue. Yeah. And I had this weird feeling like I don't feel that way about fashion. Like it's not the end all be all for me. And the other thing was, was that at a company like Vera Wang, everything is like, there's so many licensi licensees, there was fragrance, there was China, there was, you know, the lavender label on the Kohl's line, which is her like, you know, lower level line. Every single month, there was a different fashion show going on. And while no one wanted to help me, since I was the youngest one in the department, when everyone had their stuff going on, I had to help them. So I kind mm -hmm. of, felt like I was a wellness girl. I, I'm a lifestyle girl. I And every single month there was some other fashion show or fragrance presentation. And I felt like my life got thrown off the rails every month for a week. And I realized that I wanted to be in the wellness industry. And this was, mm, I've had Poke PR for almost seven years now. And I was at Equinox for almost three years prior to that. So 10 years ago, when no one cared about wellness, no one, I was like touting green juice and, you know, these protein shakes and, um, you know, so I, 
it was also a weird time at Vera Wang because they brought in a new president. And he had decided he wanted to get rid of everyone in the PR department and outsource everything to a PR agency, actually PR consulting, which I think they have offices all over the world. And he was going to get rid of everyone, but he asked me to stay. He wanted me to stay. He wanted me to go to the PR agency and oversee all of the accounts at the PR agency. He wanted me to be the one in-house girl that they moved to the agency who was still kind of like the keeper of Vera Wang. And I was not into that. I didn't want to go to a PR agency because, quite frankly, I, was, I had already made up my mind that I wanted to leave Vera Wang. So why do I want to go to a PR agency, which is a totally different environment? And I wasn't really a PR agency girl. I always wanted to be in-house. Um, why would I want to go to a PR agency, which I never wanted to do, having the job that I no longer wanted? So I um, started reaching out to all sorts of wellness companies. Um, Organic Avenue, I met with, you know, right around the time that Gwyneth started, Gwyneth Paltrow started talking about Organic Avenue. I met with the two founders. They were crazy, like crazy. I thought to myself, what? You want to pay me $30,000 a year and you want me to work 80 hours a week? How is that wellness? <laughs> how is that? How, how, how are you looking after my well-being? Um, so they were a little nuts. Um, I reached out to the one, the brand, the company that I really honed in on that I knew I really wanted to work for was Equinox. Because to me, they were, this is before boutique fitness started becoming a thing. This It was all about the gym at that point. And I knew that Equinox was like, they're the most fashionable of the, of the fitness brand companies. And that's where I wanted to work. I reached out to the CEO of the company. I guessed his email address because I went onto the website and they had a couple contacts on the website. And I guessed the, the template for the company's email um, emails. And I obviously looked up what his name was. I sent him an email. I'm telling you, that same day, I got an, a, an email from the head of HR calling me in for a meet and greet. Wow. And yeah, it was really strange, actually. So I set up a meet and greet with the head of PR. And she, um, she, I really liked her. Um, and she really liked me. And she said, after we spoke for a long time, she said, I really like you but I don't have a position available for you right now. I'm trying to, you know, you know, but I, I have carved out that I want to hire someone else for the department. I just don't have a position for you right now. And I was, I laughed and I was really bummed. Meeting with people is never a bad idea. It's never a bad idea because you go into these opportunities and A, you can craft your message, you can practice, and you can you get to go in onto someone else's turf and see like, oh, this is a great environment for me. Yeah, I do want to be in-house at a, at a wellness company, at a lifestyle company, or uh, that environment wasn't really for me. It seemed a little crazy. So meeting with people is never a bad idea. And I walked away. And it furthered my belief in the fact that I needed to work for that company. So I left there and, um, you know, it was a bummer. And I ended up going um, back to Equinox and basically just saying, listen, I'm happy to transition. Sorry, back to Vera Wang. And I said, listen, Mario um, was the president at the time. I said, I'm happy to transition 
um, PR consulting and and go over there for a month or so. Um, but I, I don't want that job. And I was able to leverage the fact that I was able to get three months severance because I said, you're eliminating my position. Offering me a new job at a different place is, is it's, you're, you're eliminating my current position. So I was able to go over to PR consulting for a month, realize that I hated a big PR agency life and get three months severance. And I thought to myself, okay, I'm going to go over there and then I have the summer to figure it out. So I, um, the entire summer, I just kept emailing people and kept connecting with people and hoping that something would come along within the three, within those three months. Well, sure enough, I was the one week I go away out of the entire year. I only leave New York city one week a year. I go to Martha's Vineyard where my parents have a summer house and I try to disconnect and I relax a little bit. And, um, I was out there and after like day five of being out there, this was in August. So my severance hadn't even run up yet. I, it was about to like in a week, I get an email from Equinox. Hey, Emily, great news. We created a position for you. We'd love to have you come in. Yes. I left the one week I leave the city out of the entire year. I left the vineyard and I was like, most normal people who aren't type A and crazy like me would have been like, great, I'll be back in three days. Can I, can we pick a date then? They would have just, you can push back on those things. Of course you can push back, but I've always just been, I know what I want and I want everyone to realize how badly I want it. So I left my vacation and I got on the ferry and I then took a bus from Cape Cod to New York City and I went back and I got that job. <laughs> so, yeah, cool. yeah. Okay. So you first say that you don't like to work PR at an agency because you prefer PR in-house. Could yeah. you please describe the difference between working in PR in-house and at an agency? So it's different for me because I, I own a PR agency. So yeah. I have been able to, as the owner of the agency, I am able to craft my own portfolio. When you're at an agency, you are told which accounts you have to represent. So for me, that is a little, that never would have worked for me. I don't know that I could ever go to someone else's agency and and be told like, all right, um, hey, uh, you're going to have to start representing Lush Cosmetics. Hope you like it. That's <laughs> not for me. I, I, the only reason I'm good at my job is because I'm passionate about every single one of my clients. When you work for someone else, if they're like, hey, um, you know, you're going to start representing uh, Dwayne Reed. Let's, let's say that's totally not for you. You can't say, I'm sorry, I hate that brand. You can't. You have to do it. Yeah. So for me, I, I actually think um, working in-house all those years was really beneficial for my career because I treat all of my clients like I'm their in-house support but working remotely. Mm-hmm. I don't know any other way. I only ever worked in-house. I only ever literally poured my soul, my life, everything into my brand. And that's how I operate as an agency, which is why I've always stayed relatively um, small, 
because I can't pour what I'm using, the energy that I pour into my clients. I can't do that if I have 20 brands. You can't. It's impossible. You yeah. become a little bit more. You hover over each brand a little bit. You hover. And I don't want to hover. I have I'm my... I always joke and say, like, the only friends at my wedding will be my, one day will be my clients because they're my best friends. So, you know, I'm on the phone all weekend with my clients. It was 8.15 this morning. One of my clients had just landed on a red eye, and I hadn't been able to talk to her for two days because she was in Sephora meetings in San Francisco. And at 8.15, I'm, like, sitting on the toilet. Like, she's calling me. I'm like, Nancy, I missed you. You know, so it's like, you don't have those relationships when you're at an agency, a big agency. You just don't. So, I mean, to be honest, I think that a lot of people are moving away from hiring big agencies. And my hope is that a lot of girls at these PR agencies realize that um, I think a lot of them don't want to work for small. It's been really hard for me to hire talent. Um, meeting girls that work under me. It's been really hard because I think a lot of them think that at a big agency that their hours are going to be better and their life is going to be more stable when it's the opposite. Like we're like a little family. They leave at six o'clock every day. I never make them stay past six o'clock unless we have an event or something that night. So it's like, it's actually the opposite. In fact, I hear at big agencies, they work really late. Like I know girls that work until nine o'clock at big agencies. And I'm like, my girls leave at six. If I need them for something, like they have their phone, they, they I can text them, I can call them, but like go home. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, for me, it's, being in-house my entire career has been so beneficial for for how I treat my clients. I treat them like it's like their their family. So, I mean, one of my clients came on vacation with me last summer. <laughs> so, it's pretty cool actually. Um so after I'll just run quickly through how I got to poke PR if that makes sense. So I loved my job at Equinox. I totally knew I made the right decision. Absolutely loved my job. Um, they gave me a lot of autonomy. They kind of wanted me, they started acquiring brands at that point. They had recently bought the licensing rights to a yoga studio from Hong Kong called Pure Yoga. And they were, um, they wanted me to oversee all the brands that they were building which turned into what my career became. Instead of just representing the Equinox gyms, which were already well-established, they wanted me to build sort of public image profiles for the brands they were acquiring, Pure Yoga and Blink. And they wanted me to help, you know, build out the image of the spa. And we were acquiring SoulCycle. And it was really exciting for me. For example, at Pure Yoga, they wanted to build a bar program, a ballet bar program. Well, I happened to be a total ballet bar junkie. I poached the best instructor in the city. I brought her to Equinox. She created the bar program for pure yoga, which is I still take that class every single day um, or five days a week. And, you know, I, I got to like kind of that's business development. That's not PR, <laughs> you know? So in a sense, they gave me this smaller portfolio where it, it, there wasn't as much to manage on the PR front. So I got to do all of these other extraneous things. Like I found Tata Harper. Tata Harper was a nothing back then. She had just gotten her first piece of press in Vogue magazine. 
I met her, I found her, I met her, I brought her products into the head of spa, and we were the first ones to create the Tata Harper all-natural signature facial at the spa at Equinox. I got to do cool things like that. They gave me so much autonomy. I couldn't complain about that job. They didn't pay very well, but I couldn't complain about that job. So then, while I was there, juice, juicing became really popular. And they wanted to start bringing in like more reputable juice bar names into um, the company. And Juice Generation, where Sama Hayek is a co-founder, became one of their, their um, juice partners. And they put three Juice Generation cafes into, um, into the three most, uh, I would say the three most prominent and heavily trafficked Equinox locations. So I got to launch those three juice bars within Equinox, and I became really close to the CEO of Juice Generation, like really close. I loved him. And he said, you know, I started getting them press. And he said, you know, we, we need a new PR person. He had gone through a couple agencies, and he had had really bad experience. And I was like, well, let me find – I loved my job. I wasn't going to be like, oh, yeah, why don't I interview for it? I, I was like, let me, let me help you. Let me help you find someone. I introduced him to a bunch of girls. He met with them. He called me one day and he said, um, hey, you know, are you free for lunch, to, you know, next week? I met him for lunch. He sits me down and he says, um, you know, thank you so much for setting me up with all those girls. Um, and thank you so much for, you know, helping me, you know, getting me all this press. You know, I had gotten him on The View, I, which at the time was a big, you know, daytime talk show. And I was getting him great press for free. He wasn't paying me. He was like giving me juice cleanses. Um, and he was like, you know, I don't want to hire any of those girls that you introduced me to. I want you. I want you to be my PR person. And I was like, but I have a job. He goes, I know. You don't even need to leave your job. You can just consult for me. All of a sudden, I kind of have a PR agency while I'm at Equinox. I was doing his PR on the side. He was paying me a full retainer, what brands would pay an agency. He was paying me while I had a full-time job. It was insane. To me, I was like, this is crazy. This is crazy. <laughs> so I'm like, six months go by. I'm like, kind of have double salaries at this point. Like, this is awesome. And then he said, calls me one day and he was like, hey, I got to give you a heads up. Salma is so impressed with everything you've been doing for the brand, you know, and how you don't even bother her. You don't even need her to do interviews and you just get all this press. He goes, she wants you to do the PR for her CVS pharmacy brand, Nuance. And I was like, really? At that, <laughs> at that point, like, I didn't do beauty really. You know what I mean? Like the spot Equinox is very different than doing the PR for a beauty product. So I was like, uh, he was like, she asked for your number. I think she's going to call you. <laughs> and I was like, okay. So a week goes by, no call from Salma. Then he was like, she asked for your number again. I think she lost it. She, someone's going to call you. He goes, I think she's, I think she's going to give your number to CVS. I'm like, okay, sure. So sure enough, I get an email to my emilyparr at gmail.com email address from the head of PR at CVS. She did not know that I had a full-time job. So I get this email and she's like, hi, Salma has requested that we meet with you. She'd like for you to take over the PR for her Nuance brand. CVS had to listen to Salma. They had to take a meeting with me. 
So CBS comes to New York to on a, literally came in just to meet with me. At that point, like I didn't know anything really about PR agencies and how to wine and dine a potential client. Like I had never done that before. I had never seen that before. I was a PR consulting for a month and I barely cared because I was on the way out. So CBS comes to town. I do my best to impress her. I get an email the next day. She was like, hi, so we'd like to hire you on a trial basis for the next three months. She blurts out the retain, like the monthly retainer. It was crazy. It was so much money because they're a huge corporation. So all of a sudden, I have to go into my, like, my direct report, my boss at Equinox and basically say, listen, I'm given, I've been given this amazing opportunity to basically start my own PR agency. And I told her the situation. I told her the amount of money. And she just like her jaw dropped to her desk. It was kind of like, I mean, yeah, of course you have to do this. So CBS wanted me to start within two weeks. I was like, I don't even have a company. I can't start in two weeks. I I'm working off of a Gmail account. So I, um, I bought myself a month time. I was able to set up an LLC. Equinox, I still wasn't out of Equinox. They were like, until you, you know, get your feet on the ground, you can continue working out of here. I'm like, okay. <laughs> then the first day that I started with CBS, I get a call from the receptionist at Equinox. Hi, Emily. Um, there's a truck downstairs for you. I'm like, huh? I go downstairs. <laughs> CVS had sent me all the product samples. There was a truck of product samples, an actual truck. I was like, you can't keep that here. I sent them to my apartment. I go running back to my apartment to receive these products. They filled boxes, took over the entire family room of my apartment. I took a picture of it. I send it to my friend at Juice Generation, the owner of the company. And he goes, what is that? I go, it's all the nuance. He goes, what's your address? He sends his Juice Generation vans and his guys over to my apartment. He picks up all the product and he has all of it warehoused at his commissary in Long Island City. He's like literally my guardian angel. Wow. So, so that's how you started your pork PR. So how then you end up with the name pork PR? So I ended up with the name because initially as I was trying to, you know, before CVS came along and I was thinking about starting a PR agency, leaving Equinox and, you know, what, you know, I have juice generation already. Like what if I could get another client or two? I was just was kind of letting my mind wander a bit. And I was talking to one of the girls at, um, at Equinox, her last name was Moke. And I was like, maybe we should, we could do it together. And I was kind of the one hustling and like trying to get new, more additional clients and like planting the seeds. And initially I, I came up with poke because it was par, moke, poke. And um, even though I decided not to do it with her, I still liked the word and I didn't like my name. I didn't want my name in the agency because everyone has their name in the agency and it just feels so pedestrian to me. Like it just, it's so basic and I wanted to be different. And I, I just thought, Oh, the word poke is, it's cool. It's kind of like, that's kind of, that's essentially what you're doing. You're supposed to have these relationships with, you know, influential people and members of the media. And you're supposed to be kind of like nudging them with information. That's like what you do in PR. So that's a kind of, 
I just, I, I, I love the name. I ended up loving the logo my graphic designer created for it. And, you know, even though it started out as the melding of two names, it, it's still a word and it, 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 it held some meaning to it for me. Yeah, that's so cool. And your story is really insane. I mean, how you get your first clients. It's, it's insane. Really, yeah. Of course, you work hard to, to, to get it. Yeah, it's and people noticed that you were smart, and so they wanted you to to help. Yeah, I them. mean, I I know what I'm talking about, and I'm really passionate. Like, I have so much enthusiasm for what I do that I have to. Uh, one has to assume like that hasn't gone unnoticed. So yeah, so that's so that's how I got my first two clients, which were Juice Generation and Nuance Salma Hayek. For the first year, I stayed with those two clients, only those two. I didn't even think about expanding beyond those two. Um, I hired my younger sister who at the time that I was starting Poke PR, she was just graduating from college. And I was like, hey, why don't you just move to New York City? Come live with me. <laughs> and she moved to New York literally with a suitcase and moved into my apartment. And we worked for my apartment for the first two years. How old were you when you started Poke? I was 29. Yeah, I was 29. Um, I'm 35 now, so I was 29. Yeah, and she's seven years young. younger than me, and she still works for me. And then from there, after the first year, I, um, I started getting kind of this itch to start working with some other brands. And it was remiss for me not to have another fitness client. Um, coming from Equinox and someone who's so happy working out every single day, um, there was just nothing that seemed interesting on, on the fitness scene for a while. And then this girl kind of cropped up onto the scene and I'd been kind of following what she was doing and I had heard she was opening a studio. My friend from Vera Wang actually introduced me to her and said, you need to meet her. She's opening a studio. You two, if nothing more, you guys will be great friends. She introduced me to Anna Kaiser um, who trains Kelly Ripa and and um, Shakira at the time she trained Sarah Jessica Parker and Naomi Watts and um, Anna and I we met you know right after that introduction she was like a soul sister for me she's still one of my best friends I represented her for five years I just I just let you know I I, I no longer represent the brand because you know, I had to start leaning out my portfolio because I'm launching my own brand um, this year. And unfortunately, I needed to let go of my health clients because my brand's going to be beauty and I wanted to just stay streamlined. So I, I, I ended up letting go just recently of Juice Generation and um, Anna Kaiser's brand. And you know what? I got both of them to the places they wanted to be. And you get to this point where... I did everything I could for Anna. Like she's she's now in a new phase of her business where got her to the point where she's franchising the business. Like what more could I do? You know, like you're now, you are essentially bought by a parent company who's going to be franchising your name, 500 studios in the next three years. And for me, with me building my own brand on the side, I didn't have the bandwidth to remain on board with that client, but in a totally different capacity, because it would be like having a different client now. So mm -hmm. everything runs its course. 
you know, with Juice Generation, he's still one of my best friends, but he's not expanding outside of New York. And I was able to get him so much national press, but now it's kind of at the point where like, if you don't have any new news, you're not opening any new locations outside of, you're, you're in the same market, you're not really launching, you're not really launching anything new other than refreshing your menu seasonally. You get to a point where, hey, I built your public image nationally. We did it. Like, we did it. You People recognize you've you had your first book. You're able to write a second book now because you're nationally recognized. Like, it ran its course. And I kind of feel that way with a number of clients. Like, Drunk Elephant is another one. I have found Drunk Elephant on Twitter over four years ago. They hadn't launched yet. And I... I literally found them because I had gotten a notification on Twitter that said, Drunk Elephant Skincare is now following you on Twitter. And I was like, what's mm -hmm. that? And I went to their landing page of their website. And I was like, this is so beautifully done. This brand seems yeah. like it has meaning behind it. And there was that's all I could see at that point. I reached out to the, to the info at drunkelephant.com. And the founder got right back to me. I pitched myself. And she said, you sound right up my alley, but I've actually already hired someone, a PR agency to start with my social. And I thought that was so odd. I'm like, why would you hire a PR agency to do your social media? <laughs> and I kind of, in my mind, I was like, you know, and I said to her, I said, who did you hire? If you don't mind me asking, she's mentioned the name of the agency. And I thought to myself, Ooh, that's a big agency. They are not good with these little baby brands. They're going to screw mm -hmm. this up. And I thought to myself, I'm going to stay in touch with her because I know she's going to be unhappy with that agency. So I want to stay top of mind with her. Every mm -hmm. few months I checked in with her. And then after the first year when her brand was nowhere, her social media was so bad. It was the worst social media I'd ever seen. And no one had ever heard of it. Like, no one was writing about the brand other than these tiny little blogs that no one cared about. And she finally, um, since I had stayed in touch with her, I was top on her. I was literally that name in her inbox, you know, with respect to PR that probably the only one that probably reached out. She was still so small at that point. And um, she said, you know, I'm coming to New York this weekend. Um, I want to meet you. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to get rid of my PR agency. She texted me on a Sunday night at eight o'clock and said, Hey, I just landed at the airport. I'm eating dinner on the Upper East Side. Will you come meet me there? It's literally like on a Sunday night at like eight o'clock. It was like a chilly <laughs> Sunday night. It was like the last thing I felt like doing. I was in bed. I was actually laying in bed in sweatpants, just relaxing. And I was like, yep, I'll be there. Get my hair, put on a little makeup, put on a nice outfit, ran to the Upper East Side. And I met her. We had dinner. Actually, she ate dinner and I had already had dinner. So I was just sitting there next to her at the bar. And, um, and, and, and that was it. She, she said, I have to give them 60 days notice. I started with her 60 days later. And it was like the ride of a lifetime. It really was the ride of a lifetime. I mean, I had, that was the first new brand that I got to craft in the media. Like I didn't, I didn't take on an old brand that I had to revive like CVS nuance brand. I had to revive that brand. Juice Generation wasn't a new brand. I had to make it cooler. Um, you know, I had always had these brands that weren't new. I had to be the cleanup crew and revive them. And this was the first opportunity I had that I could take something essentially from scratch in terms of the media and mold it 
and shape it and tell stories that hadn't been told before about that brand and create the stories that I wanted to tell about that brand. And it was a blast. But at the end of the summer, I, you know, the company had gotten so big and it became a headache. Like they were, they wanted like full time amount of my time. And I was, I felt like I was full time for Drunk Elephant. I was full time running a PR agency. And then I was building my own brand on the side. And I couldn't do three things. So obviously it didn't make sense for me to give up poke PR. I had to give up one thing. I wasn't going to stop building my brand. I wasn't going to just ditch poke PR when I have girls that work for me. So that had to go. It was a really tough decision. Yeah. Yeah. So, so your story looks like a fairy tale. I mean, everything comes very naturally and organically. It's really, it's really nice and inspiring. And of course, you work hard, but I mean, you build your company because it comes naturally for you to, to do it. Yeah. Yeah. It feels really natural. It feels really natural. And that's how I've always built my brands. I've always gone after my own clients. I rarely take on a client that comes to me. Rarely. I turn down pretty much everything that comes to me. I basically hunt and gather my own clients. Mm -hmm. So let's talk a little bit about PR and how it is evolving. So what do you think is a good strategy, a good PR strategy for beauty brands for 2019? Because PR has changed a lot i mean yeah it's changed everyone a lot. To be, yeah everyone first wanted to be on glossy magazines but now right. for me i focus a lot less on print because yeah. there's so many politics that go into um there are so many politics that go into the making of a magazine that when you think about it, if you're not an advertiser, like the chances are so slim that you're going to, that your, your product is going to make it into the magazine. And I honestly just found from a lot of my clients, a lot of my clients would tell me that when we're in magazines, they're like, you could, you could hear a pin drop. It does nothing for the business unless it's a big profile. The only things that I still really care about in print are there are those dedicated profiles in certain magazines um, where they feature a beauty founder or this, that, and the other. Like, if it's a dedicated profile, sure, why not? Of course go after those. But when I go to a beauty editor now at a print magazine, I go to them with a purpose. I don't just say, hey, what are you working on? Would love to send over some new goodies. I say, hey, I love the blah de blah on page 86. Can I do that with so-and-so? I go there mm -hmm. with, like, I define, I tell them exactly what I want. So I don't make them, like... If you go to them with such a vague, hey, what are you working on? Like, they probably won't even respond to you. They have too many things going on, too many emails, too many distractions. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's like, go there with a, per go to them with a purpose. Hey, I like the beauty crush page on 86. Like, can we do that with so-and-so? And then give them a little reason, a little paragraph about why they should feature so-and-so. Why so-and-so deserves that page. So do you think there are more effective media channels for a good PR strategy today? I mean, Digi digital is really important to us, really important to us. Do you think it's even more important than print publications mm. today? 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'll give you a great example to exemplify that. When we were launching Drunk Elephant's baby facial product, which was be, has become a cult favorite product, mm-hmm. this was a couple years ago, and we sent a beautiful little creative mailer to all the print magazines. I think we sent 35 of them out three months before the product was coming out. Not one editor, print editor, featured that product. Three months later, after the print had gotten it, we had a little press event and we invited print and digital to that. Figured like, oh, well, print didn't do anything with it then. Like, we'll invite them to the event too. The digital editors went nuts over that product. It was on every website in profile form, profiles, to the point where then the print editors couldn't ignore what was happening on digital. Then they started calling it in for their stories, which then ran three months after the digital stuff came out. When they had the opportunity to actually feature it at the same time. Like their stories could have been running at the same time as the digital stories had they actually acknowledged the product three months prior. Yeah. And what about influencer marketing? What do you think about using influencers to boost brand awareness and sales? I mean, I think influencers are really important. My agency does not handle, like we seed products to influencers if we're not paying them, we don't handle any marketing initiatives with influencers. Mm-hmm. So we don't do the, um, like if a client is going to pay something Navy or Mariana, we don't handle that. I think that's anything paid should be handled by a marketing department. I don't like to get involved in that. Um, but we, my agency, we send any, anytime we have new launches, we send to a curated list of influencers and YouTubers. I, I definitely think if you're sending to the right people, the the right YouTubers and the right influencers, yeah, there's strong engagement. Mm-hmm. You can't, for PR now, like you can't just have a one-track mind. You have to think yeah. about the important things in print, you know, the important profiles that you want to get. With digital, you have to think about being everywhere you want you want to be that product that that people say to you i'm seeing that everywhere and by everywhere they're talking about online and then you need the product you need to think about how you want that product placed all over social so i mean you can't have a one-track mind with pr where you used to be able to do that yeah and so what do you think are the best strategies to launch a new beauty brand that's the best strategy. You have to take a three-prong approach. You have to. There's no other way to go about it. You have to focus on all three but and be very like specific about what you want from all three. So like I said, you want to focus on certain profile opportunities for print. For me, I like to take a client in wherever their hometown is, say it's in New York, and, and, and make them, turn them into like these local little celebrities so they get a full page in Manhattan Magazine or Hamptons Magazine, you know, focus a little bit on regional in the really like high profile regional magazines. Try to secure with Summer Fridays, we did the, the um, exclusive in Vogue Magazine in the, in the print issue, and then um, you really have to focus on, you know, making sure all the all the digital outlets are covering your product at launch in in an impactful way, and then leading up to the launch, seeding the um, the influencers and the YouTubers with the product. Yeah, There's some of it where everywhere when they you launched. have to think about that stuff like you really there's so much to think about now yeah and so uh there are so many beauty brands today so how can 
brands differentiate themselves into a such crowded category? Um, you have to approach the market with a very clear and distinct point of view. And whether that's your PR person helping you with that, or whether it's the brand coming up with that as they're crafting the brand, you really have to, you know, that has to become, that has to be part of the brand DNA. The brand DNA has to be distinct or else there's no point in launching. So everything is in the product and how you the tell story, and spread the message of the brand. The background, the story, the products, like you have to build an entire world around your brand yeah. now. Yeah. And is there any way to calculate the return on investment of a PR strategy? I don't think so. Like, we don't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I mean, aside from handing over, you know, a tracker, which we call it, with all of the impressions, I mean, I mm-hmm. think that it's fair to say, hey, you got five billion impre- impressions this year. I can't really define it much further than that. So if there is a new brand who want to decide if uh, going with an agency or starting doing PR themselves, so what do you think, how can they decide if going with an agency or doing PR themselves? I mean, you if you're going to do PR yourself, you better have someone who has relationship because there's mm-hmm. too many... Um, new brands launching now to have a rookie PR person um, working on your brand who doesn't have the relationships. You have to hire someone with relationships. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a better strategy to do in PR even before uh, launching the brand. So for example... Yeah, yeah. You, I mean, you have, you have to do PR, but you're only new once. So you have to do the PR. You have to start preparing for press prior to launch. Yeah, especially, I mean, you should create at least an Instagram channel and start to make your brand known out there on social media. Yeah, exactly. Okay, I have just two questions for you. Okay. So what do you think is going to be the future of PR? That's a a very, I honestly don't know. And my, um, I'm happy with the way things are right now. I'm really happy with the digital focus. And I kind of hope that we can all settle into that rhythm for a little while. And, you know, however things change next, as a PR person, you just have to be, you, you have to be prepared to accept that next challenge. Yeah. And what does a day in your life look like? Um, it is really Anything goes. I wake up and the first thing I do is crawl through my emails. And I honestly, I wake up really excited to get work done because I really, really, really love what I do. But you have to be prepared for anything. I mean, it could be five o'clock and you're at night and you're, you're preparing to start winding down and something happens with a client and you're like, oh, I guess I'm not going to a workout tonight. Mm-hmm. Okay, so thank you so much for your you're time. So, thank um, you. Thank you so much. Yeah, it was so nice to listen to your story and so inspiring. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Emily, for your time and for sharing your inspiring story. I really hope you enjoyed this new episode of the Glam Observer podcast. If so, please tell a friend, share the episode on Instagram stories and tag us at Glam Observer. And please subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcast. See you the next time. Thank you.